Browns have two quarterbacks on their roster right now, quarterback of the past in Baker Mayfield, the quarterback of the future in Deshaun Watson. I think there's a really good chance that neither of them suits up for the Browns in 2022. Hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We're produced by Brian Neal, musical producer, the one and only Sam Brandt, who I just saw in Los Angeles, music producer that he is. And we got a special Brandt's Rants tonight. I am feisty. Got a lot of things to talk about tonight. It is supposedly a dead period in sports, but busy as ever in my world, as the business of sports just carries on. Lots of things to talk about on this Rants. First, I want to let you know we are presented, as always, by DraftKings. Let's get right to it. Tomorrow, as I talk to you on Tuesday evening, June 21st, happy summer solstice to everyone. Wednesday morning is going to be the hearings, and this means that Congress will get to ask questions of the NFL and of the Washington Commanders, formerly the football team, formerly the Redskins, about behavior. This is the House Oversight Committee that has been looking into this for a while. As you recall on this podcast, I had some women that worked for the Washington Redskins slash football team during those years, and they talked about what a toxic workplace it was, how they were told to wear flats and not to wear flats and only wear heels, to wear form-fitting clothing and only skirts and not pants and all those kind of things. And of course, there was a report that went six months and they interviewed all these witnesses, interviewed all these women that worked there and men. And that report is somewhere hidden in a drawer because the attorney, Beth Wilkinson, never did release the report, never made the report findings public, never made the report findings written. So the NFL took it all in in an oral report. So we have no record of what went on there. This was all communicated to the U.S. House Oversight Committee as a response to the John Gruden emails and kind of the toxicity of language that went on there. So we get to tomorrow, and finally the comeuppance comes on Capitol Hill, where the U.S. Oversight Committee has asked for the appearances of Daniel Snyder and Roger Goodell. Here are the answers from those two. Daniel Snyder will not appear. He will not appear live or he will not appear virtually. Commissioner Goodell will appear virtually, not live. Wow. Okay. We haven't heard about subpoenas for Snyder, but listen, this is Snyder's calculation, and I called him Snyder. I'm sorry. I know he wants to be called Mr. Snyder. This is his calculation that it's better for me not to show up in Congress and incur the wrath of not showing up for whatever that is than to show up and incur the wrath of everything I've done, everything that's gone on with my team over these past 20-something years. This is a calculated risk by Snyder. Of course, of course he can get on Zoom wherever he is. He says he's overseas as a business obligation. I think the business obligation can wait an hour while he testifies to one of the most important bodies in the world, certainly in this country, the United States Congress. So obviously he's ducking this. And there hasn't been a... uh, reckoning for that. We'll see. Now, what is going to go on is Commissioner Goodell will answer for him. And this is what goes on with the commissioner of the National Football League. Why he's paid so handsomely, he takes the bullets, the heat, the missiles, the criticism, the tough questions, the strident questioning he'll get from Congress so that owners like Dan Snyder do not have to. That's what's going on. Roger Goodell is giving Daniel Snyder a huge solid tomorrow in front of Capitol Hill. 
He is going to be answering questions from congressmen about the Washington team, about this toxic workplace, about NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, about a new allegation of Snyder doing a sexual allegation of a former employee that had an internal investigation, wink, wink, and nothing was found back in 2009. Roger Goodell, not Daniel Snyder, will be asked about that. So this is one of the big reasons why Roger Goodell makes so much money, why he's such a favored commissioner among the owners, why he does the work that is so hard to do, which is take the heat so they don't have to. As Daniel Snyder is flying around France at a business obligation, too busy to talk to Congress, Goodell will do that for him. So we'll watch. We'll watch uh, these congressional hearings and see where it goes as I record this new bombshell information tonight on the eve of the hearings that there's a sexual allegation complaint against Daniel Snyder from an ex-employee way back in 2009, and we're hearing about it in June of 2022. We'll see how it goes. But that is interesting to me that Roger Goodell once again does exactly what he's paid to do. He's a pincushion. He's a shield for the shield. He's a shield for these owners like Daniel Snyder. Listen, Snyder's not going anywhere. If he is, it's a surprise to me because he's a survivor. He's been protected. He has influential friends. He has the commissioner. He has not been pushed out up until this point after decades-long resistance to changing the name. After these allegations, this is not the first time he's been accused by an ex-employee of trying to grope or push them into a limo, whatever it may be. And of course, this toxic workplace and financial misdealings that cost other owners money, all of these things are out there, yet he survives. And he'll survive tomorrow, even though the strident questioning will be taken by his employee, Roger Goodell. Okay. Deshaun Watson. I know we talked about it a lot. We got to keep talking about it because today, again, news comes out of this where 20 of the 24 lawsuits have been settled. This comes from Watson's attorney, Tony Busby. Four plaintiffs have held out. They're not going to settle, including it's been identified Ashley Solis, who is on HBO Real Sports, who is one of the first, if not the first plaintiff, and she is wanting her day in court. Now, I think the one thing we have to know right away is this will not in any way affect discipline by the NFL, and it shouldn't. And, and as soon as I tweeted this, the NFL tweeted this. This will not affect discipline, and it shouldn't. This is legal. And yes, there are no criminal charges, but we've seen no criminal charges not have any impact on whether there's going to be suspensions. We can go through that, and I will in a minute. But I would expect that there will be repercussions, uh, there will be discipline for Deshaun Watson soon. And I think it will be strong. I think it will be a year, and then we go through the appeal process and the NFLPA and the lawyers. And of course, the appellate judge is, back to the name, Commissioner Roger Goodell. <laughs> he not only takes it for the owners, but he represents the owners against the players in this important discipline context. So here we go. Deshaun Watson, 20 of 24, settled. We don't know about the other four, but I can tell you this. This will continue. The dribs and drabs of bad information, and if you haven't listened to my podcast last week with Jenny Brentress in the New York Times, where we, she went through a lot of these allegations and graphic detail and talked about the number 66, number of massage therapists that Watson reached out to. So there's going to be more. 
There's going to be more information, if not lawsuits coming along. And Watson's going to have to deal with this. Now, is Watson going to deal with it? The Browns are going to have to deal with this. I'm sure they thought the PR would die down by now. It's certainly not dying down. We're going to have this long suspension and whatever comes out of it. But I've talked about this before, the contract side. We waited for a white whale forever. Five years fully guaranteed, no strings attached, fully secure contract. And it goes to this guy. The most secure, most guaranteed, largest contract in the history of this sport goes to this player who just settled 20 lawsuits involving sexual allegations. Goes to this player who will likely face a year suspension. Goes to this player who sought out 66 massage therapists for what seems to be clearly more than massages. This is who got that contract. Now, I get it. Unique situation, perfect storm, other teams bidding. Teams like Cleveland could said they never get a player like this. So this is what they did. But I continue to shake my head that on the contract side, on the business side, this is where we are. And even if he is suspended for a year, even if he's suspended for a year, there is going to be only a million dollars, less than a million dollars. I'm sorry. Even if he's suspended for a year, barely over a million dollars is at risk. His compensation this year, $46 million. What he'll make if he's suspended for a year? Almost $45 million. And then the Browns looking at it as a four-year play, a long-term play rather than a five-year play, that would mean the Browns will have paid him $229 million, not $230 million, for four years of play. $229 million for four years of play equals almost $56 million a year. Forget about $46 million a year. $56 million a year if this goes to four years instead of five years. That's the commitment the Browns made. I don't think owners are happy with Jimmy Haslam for a lot of reasons. One is the precedent that they're going to face for top quarterbacks, but also the fact that this is the guy. This is the guy getting that kind of deal. It's just shocking to me still to this day that he got that contract. That is the best contract in NFL history for this guy. There's just an icky feeling about it. Browns have two quarterbacks on their roster right now, quarterback of the past in Baker Mayfield, the quarterback of the future in Deshaun Watson. I think there's a really good chance that neither of them suits up for the Browns in 2022, and both could be on the roster. You know, and ironically, Mayfield could be on the roster the way Watson was on the roster in Houston, getting paid to stay away, shut up, and stay out of the way. Now, Baker could get traded, too, as long as they attach an asset or pay a big part of his salary. But, you know, I don't know if anyone wants Baker Mayfield. As far as Deshaun Watson, <laughs> hopefully we'll get, we'll get disciplined soon. I see him out of the league for the year. And, of course, through appeals and everything else, who knows what's going to happen. But I don't see the NFL allowing this guy to get on the field with what's going on. And the settlement of 20 out of 24 lawsuits, nice, I guess. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything towards NFL discipline. It means a lot to Watson's bank account, which just got infused with a $45 million bonus a couple months ago. But, hey, that's where we are with him. Okay, one more NFL item, and then we'll move to other items. The other NFL item is interesting because ownership. I just talked about Daniel Snyder, another one of the constituents of uh, Roger Goodell of the, of the NFL is Dean Spanos. 
Dean Spanos is the owner of the LA, I was going to say San Diego Chargers. Spanos has a, a sibling rivalry going on. So what's going on is the, fa- the, the Chargers are owned by the four siblings, 15% each. That equals 60% over the four of them. Then 36% in a trust. Now you get to 96%. 4% is owned by non-family uh, members. But we got disputes. We've got robbers. We've got problems. And there's a lawsuit now by one of the sisters suing the three other siblings for mismanagement and for a misogynistic attitude especially noting Dean Spanos, the sort of principally named partner, the owner that sits in the league meetings with the face of the franchise. And I think what I want to say here is that this is what goes on at these meetings. I went to NFL meetings, owners meetings for 11 years. I, you know, these are families, while they have a lot more wealth than our families, they have the same problems, if not more. I saw it in the halls and the sides and in the room, sibling rivalries, maneuvering, angling for daddy's uh, pride for his, for it's like a succession, right? Just involving an NFL team. I saw it for years. So a lot of these families have siblings sort of trying to impress daddy for control of the franchise. A lot of these families have sibling rivalries, have jealousies, and money is at stake. It goes on all the time. The Denver Broncos were just sold for this record price because no one of the children and stepchildren vying for the franchise could come to agreement on what was right. So it went to a trust and now it was sold out of a trust. This is what happens. It's happening with the LA Chargers right now. It happened earlier with the Tennessee Titans where Amy Strunk Adams came out on top. I think Dean Spanos will come out on top here, but there's a lot of messiness and a lot of dirty dirty laundry that's going to be put out there. That's what goes on in these family businesses, just like any family business. This one's just a lot more public. Back to rants and a word. First, a word from DraftKings. Hey, it's about hockey. We are in the final chase for the Stanley Cup, and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup final, has a can't-miss offer for the most exciting series in sports. New customers can bet $5 on either team to win their game, Get $100 in free bets no matter that. Win or lose. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the final with DraftKings same game parlays? You can do just that. You can combine multiple bets on which team will win, how many goals. It's a, a shot for a much bigger payout than just betting the game. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. And best of all, you can deposit your withdraw your money whenever you want. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS, R-O-S-S. New customers can bet $5 on either NHL team to win their game. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code ROSS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup Final. Minimum age and restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's get back to the rants. We've got to talk about this golf tour. The Live Golf Tour just secured another big-name star. That's Brooks Kepka. He decides today he's going with Liv. He's leaving the PGA. PGA is upset. The PGA had decided last week, basically, you got to pick your spot. Are you going to go Live Golf Tour or are you going to go PGA? Now, the PGA had allowed exemptions for other matches, exhibitions, etc. in the past, but not this one. So we have a line in the sand, and I've talked about this before. Back in the day, there was the AFL which eventually merged in the NFL. There was the ABA, which eventually merged into the NBA. We've never seen it in modern era, if you will. 
no idea we would have a competitor for something like the NFL or NBA or NHL or Major League Baseball. It's not even close, it's not even a thought. But we have it in golf and we have it in a well-funded, as it's called, the Saudi-funded league, the LIV Tour. They've gotten Mickelson 200 grand. They've gotten DeChambeau 100 grand. Uh, grand. They've gotten Mickelson 200 million. DeChambeau 100 million. Dustin Johnson 120 million. And who knows what they're paying Kepka? The money seems unlimited. Sure, they don't have a TV deal, but who needs that when these players are getting this kind of money? Now, again, they're more like exhibition matches. They're three days. Uh, they're match play. So it's different. But that doesn't mean it's better or worse. And according to the guys that are staying with the PGA, it's worse. But these guys are going. And what I think now we're going to have is kind of a musical chairs. If you don't get in on live, you feel like you're going to be on a lesser tour. Maybe. Again, not for the PGA stalwarts like Rory, like Tiger, it seems, like John Rahm like Morikawa, but we'll see. I think it's fascinating, and I think that there's a, they're onto something. And I think what the PGA should probably do, now they're talking about a big money prize things going on, and they're going to get their stars in similar type events in terms of money, but I think they should play nice. I just think that going to war with this kind of uh, war chest, sorry for using that metaphor twice, is difficult. And probably better to attract with honey rather than fire. I just think that the PGA is being short-sighted, excluding people from playing in both, acting like this is a war. Try to work with them, not against them. I would see how that works. I know Jay Monahan. I worked with him at the, the beginning of my career, firm called ProServe. I like him. I think he's smart and capable. <clears throat> but... I, under, I get it. You want to feel like you're under attack. You want to feel like this is a war. You want to feel like you're in battle. But it almost seems like the live tour, as much as you don't like Greg Norman, as much as you may not like Phil Mickelson, maybe there's something that can be worked out. Maybe there's something that's good for both. I don't know enough about golf, but it seems like maybe there's something to be good for golf, good for both, the PGA and the live tour. And as we go to the live tour this next weekend, when Portland and Brooks Kepka's joining them, there's, the next one's going to be another big name and another big name. The money's too good. There's no risk. You know, uh, you don't get any money if you miss the cut at a PGA event. I get it. That's been going on forever, but now there's an option. Options create leverage. Leverage creates money. You have an opportunity. I get it while they're doing it. I get it why guys are staying to the traditional PGA. But we've got a line in the sand now, and I think at some point, Liv's going to shut down uh, openings and people are going to feel like they're hat in hand going back to the old PGA. And the PGA should have a better feel than that. That's why working together, not apart, I think is the way to go for the Live Golf Tour. And finally, again, answering the question about the Saudi money and people lamenting that this is Saudi money and they're taking it. Again, Saudi money is all over sports. It is all over the English Premier League. It is all over Formula One. It is uh, involved in some of the... Um, horse racing interests in this country. And of course, you know, does everyone out there drive a car? The gas, that's where it's coming from. So again, I think some of it can be hypocritical. I get it. I get it why the, uh, the animus against the Saudi regime for what they've done. But we're all, you know, we're all part of that.
uh, I think when people denounce something like the Saudi regime, I want to ask, oh, well, what are you doing to denounce the Saudi regime other than tweeting that golfers shouldn't take their money? So it's just a thought. Uh, I just think people should slow their roll about, hey, you shouldn't take Saudi money. I, I mean, come on. The NBA takes a lot of Chinese money. Is that better? Just an example. All right. Uh, last couple things. One, I want to talk about soccer. We talked about golf. Now let's talk about soccer. I haven't talked about this because I was on with uh, Jenny last week. The MLS deal with Apple. What a, what a game changer this is. I think it's the first ex- all-exclusive broadcast media deal of all, right? I don't think there is one. Certainly not NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey. This is all Apple. Major League Soccer will be all Apple for broadcast, for media. For media. All Apple for the next 10 years, starting next year. $250 million a year equals $2.5 billion. It's a massive increase from the total of $90 million a year that they were getting from Fox and ESPN. Now, let's be clear about that. It's not really a difference between $90 million and $250 million because they bought all media, which means all local media. So there's going to be no local media deals. If you average $3 million a, a, a team for local media, that comes out to about $85 million. So now you're down, instead of $250 million, really down to about $165 million. Still a major increase from $90 million a year. But have to realize, this is a different kind of deal. You're buying out local media. Now, I think there's upside in the deal, too, if we're getting a certain number of subscriptions. But I think what I want to say is kudos to the MLS for doing something different, for getting a lot of money. Obviously, the marketplace is going to go up through those 10 years. Good for Apple. Now, Apple has dipped their toe in the water with baseball, Friday afternoon games, $85 million a year, which is couch cushion money. And even this, $250 million a year, I think they sell that number of iPhones in about an hour. Uh, so this is quite a new thing for soccer. And it's a good, you know, it's a good good time for soccer right now. Valuations of MLS are rising. This week, we hear all those cities in the U.S. getting the World Cup games, including Philadelphia and Los Angeles and San Francisco. Um, And, you know, this is a good time. It's a good time for soccer. And you even have the FIFA uh, president saying, which I don't believe, that soccer is going to be the number one sport here by the time the World Cup gets here in 2026. Slow your roll, man. That's not happening with American football, the NFL. That's not happening by 2026. We'll see. I've, you know, I've heard for 40, 50 years that soccer is the sport of the future. It's growing, but slow your roll about being, hey, you know, number one sport in 2026. That's not happening. But can it pass hockey, baseball, basketball? I don't know. Maybe it's sort of stuck at number five. Maybe it moves into number four. It's not going to be number one, but a good week for soccer. And my final rant is about your NBA champion, Golden State Warriors. I think it's fascinating. I think like a lot of people, it's beautiful basketball. Steph is the easiest superstar to root for. There doesn't seem to be anything because he's shorter and he shoots. Everyone loves that. It's a beautiful style of game that they play. And again, four titles in eight years. It's been a beautiful thing to watch. Interesting to me on the financial side, these guys make so much money, the big four last year and the coming year, that it's just impossible to get under the cap. But it doesn't seem to matter because the NBA cap is, for my Jewish friends, a yarmulke. It's a soft cap. You can get around it. To wit, 
the Warriors' top four, Wiggins, Draymond, Clay, and Steph, make about $140 million. Next year, they'll make about $150 million. Again, the cap in the NF- NBA is $112 million. They're going to make $140 million this year, and whatever the cap goes to next year, they're going to make $150 million. Four players. Now, everyone else on the team is young, and they're making under $10 million. But wow. What about the cap? And I don't know it like I know the NFL cap. I know there are exceptions, obviously, and I know you get uh, credit, not credit, but you get benefit by signing your own players, which they obviously did with Steph and Draymond and Clay. Of course, they traded for Andrew Wiggins. Just a phenomenal uh, investment by their organization. They're paying into a luxury fund, of course, $140 million for those four players. 140 million. Okay. So that's, that's, wow. What is that? 35 million average for those four players? Um, wow. So those four players and the total payroll is 172 million on $112 million cap. So much for the cap. Kudos to the Warriors. Kudos to their accountants. Kudos to their ownership, Joe Lacob, Peter Guber, and others for making such a major investment. And if it's allowed with the quote-unquote cap in place, kudos for them doing it. They have become the standard of sustained success, which every franchise wants. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports. I uh, hope you get the newsletter. Sign up at andrew-brent.com. Hope you get the Sports Business League. Sign up at andrew-brent.com slash SBL. Share the podcast with a friend. Give us a good rating if you would. And follow me on Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Instagram, Andrew Brandt 2, where I do reels now every day. So I hope you enjoy those. We're produced by Brian Neal, music producer Sam Brandt. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>